The Leafs will be without Austin Matthews for a couple games. How will that impact the lineup? We'll look at that and more on today's edition of Locked on Leafs. You're Locked on Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked on Leafs podcast, your daily fix for all things Leafs. I'm your host, David Morissuti from Sportsnet, also a writer for the NHLPA. Another episode with Mike away on vacation, so I decided to rotate my uh, guest host today. We had Austin uh, at the previous episode. Today, we have a good buddy of mine, Jake Middleton, uh, all the way down from New Jersey, joining us from the show. Uh, just a reminder, today's episode and all episodes of Locked on Lease can be found wherever you get your podcasts. You can subscribe for free. And also make sure you come and join us on YouTube. We're seeing those subscriptions going up. We're still trying to get to 500 so we can give away some swag. So make sure you follow us, Locked on Lease, on YouTube. Just a reminder that today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. And tell them Locked On sent you. So today we're going to discuss, obviously, the Austin Matthews suspension. He got two games in the Department of Player Safety. And it didn't exactly get a warm reception from Leafs Nation. Although I don't know how you can feel good about your best player getting suspended. So we'll kind of discuss the suspension. Whether we thought it was too harsh, if it was just right. Uh, we're also then going to dive into how that's going to impact the Leafs heading into their game against the Dallas Stars, a team that's fighting to stay in the playoff race in the Western Conference, so a tough matchup there without Austin Matthews. And we had a trade in the NHL with the Colorado Avalanche acquiring uh, Josh Manson, which I think will have some impact on what the Leafs were going to do for their uh, trade deadline outlook, so we're going to kind of discuss all that. So, Jake, first off, Thank you for hopping on with me. I know it's uh, it's been a little while since you and I have recorded together. We used to record our podcasts together, and I've always wanted to get you guys back in uh, doing it again. So first off, thank you for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so unfortunately not on good circumstances when we're discussing no. Austin Matthews getting suspended for two games. And I, I want to you know, it's funny because I was listening to – I was listening and i was watching i was watching and also reading all just everything on this situation and i read an article where somebody basically was kind of blaming the toronto media for the attention that this was all getting and how basically them saying right off the hop that it was suspension worthy kind of pushed the nhl into that direction like i don't know if you can hide from the fact that in a game where nhl officials are have their eyes on it it is a heritage classic. It's an outdoor game. You're not going to hide a cross check to the head that Austin Matthews gave. I just don't see how the media was at fault for this at all. I mean, especially you know, given the player. I mean, I feel like if it was if it's Pierre Engvall on, uh, I'm trying to think of who's a like a fourth liner on their team. Um, if that's on like if that's like Pierre Engvall on maybe like Kyle Ocposo or something, probably probably isn't as talked about but when it's you know a player from you know the biggest market in the league and probably the best player uh this season at least and the favorite to win the heart trophy it's going to be it's clearly going to be talked about 
Now, were you surprised that it was two games? Because some thought maybe a fine, some thought maybe a one game because Matthews doesn't have any, you know, prior suspension history, or do you think that they got it right with the two game? Um, I mean, I, I, th- I think a game was fine if it was just a game. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of, you know, giving suspensions for, you know, if you're being violent with your stick, I just think it's Bush league. Um, I just think how they handle each and every case is ridiculous. Like I think when, when Crosby slashed Mathot's handoff, he just got a fine, right? Pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. So like the, like getting hit with like a carbon fiber stick in the face, like that's not like it's bad. And people don't understand, like, those things, it's, like, not as bad as wood, but, like, it's a legitimate weapon for sure. And, I mean, obviously it's a bad play. And, you know, I, I don't know what, what he got in the game, if he got a misconduct or something like that. But He just got a penalty. They both got sent off for... It's just, it's just like, so ridiculous because they just pick and choose how people, you know, view the rules and how they're called. I mean, you've had... Zidane Char, who basically made his career do, doing that every single night, he'll, you know, hack and whack you in the back. And, and the thing that's crazy to me is people just be like, 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 yeah, it's probably a penalty, but you're not going to call a penalty for that. It's like, why? Like, these guys aren't stupid. If you call the stuff, like it can be, it can get it. Like I get like a couple cross checks in the lower back, like that's fine. But like the excessive ones, like, like the Chris Pronger ones back in the nineties where he would just bury you. Like that's clearly a penalty. Like you're, you're more than welcome to clear space in front of the net, but you know, especially where he did, where he went, you know, he cross-checked him in the face. I I thought he was going to get a game. I didn't think he'd get two, but I mean, the Leafs, everything they do seems to be there. I feel like their suspensions are always longer than they should be. I can't think of the last one where I'm like, wow, that's like about right. Or they got off easy there because they don't get off. Yeah, like Jason no, they Spence never do. Supposed to get six games for that. Yeah, or... I thought you should get two or three, three because it was pretty. It was a pretty bad play, but yeah. like six games is is insane, especially for someone with no, no like history. It's it's just crazy because they change up the rules and there's no consistency, and it's been terrible since Peros has been there and he's awful. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know why they haven't fired him. I don't know if it's like a PA issue or or the owners have his back. It just it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. And I think the, the consistency part is also big, too, because, you know, you go from I looked at Jonathan Huberto had a pretty nasty hit. That was bad. I, I watched know. that. He, he wasn't even looking and he just elbowed him straight in the face. I, did he get a meeting or anything? No, or he wouldn't get a penalty on that play, from what I saw. No, he got a penalty. He got he a did? penalty. Okay, you yeah, watched. I watched. The game. He got a penalty. Yeah, yeah. He so what was the he penalty? Got a penalty about elbowing, sure. elbowing. Yeah, it was roughing or elbowing, but he did get a penalty, and they scored to tie the game. Like people were like talking it up because obviously you know with um, Dom posted that he wasn't one of his heart trophy contenders, and you know many purists are like, oh. That's BS. Uh, I mean, if he played for the Leafs, he'd be like top one in a hard trophy race. And that's go ahead, goes, goes ahead and proves his point. He gets tripped on a missed call for sure. But then he goes down, just goes, I'm going to take this guy out. I'm going to, I'm going to hurt him. And he did. He elbowed him right in the face. Yeah. And he got a penalty as he should have. And they scored in the power play and they lost in overtime. 
I think that's the one right there where, you know, Austin Matthews, I guarantee part of the reason why he got two games was it was the intent of he got knocked down. So his reaction is to get back up and hit Darlene. And I think that's part of the reason why he got two games and not less. But we've seen other retaliatory plays, clear plays that don't necessarily receive the same amount of uh, discipline. I think also when you're assessing suspensions, I thought I, I that I feel that a, an injury should also play a factor in this too. Like Dalian wasn't injured on the play. He pretty much brushed it off after the game when talking about it. So that's where I felt like, you know what? Maybe it's not two games because he's not exactly it. He, it was, it was a dangerous play, but it didn't lead to anything dangerous. So I know some people says, well, you can't. Uh, yeah. I don't like that. Stuff. I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like that idea at all. I don't like the idea. Like, it, Oh, he should get suspended now. Cause he got hurt. Uh, I'm not a fan of that. Yeah. So like, it's, it's a tough thing. I like, look, these are never easy decisions to make, but. I, I think, think an injury should. I think an injury should factor in, though. Yeah. Um, but I don't think if like he does the same thing and guy doesn't get hurt, it shouldn't be dealt with less than it should be. But uh, I could be wrong. No, I think I think there's, that's a fair point. But I, I also just think that, you know, is it going to be two games if a guy gets hurt on the same play? I don't think so. I think you're going to give him, you should be giving him more games if an injury is a factor in it. I think Landon Cog got four games for a similar play, but Landon Cog also has a history. Austin Matthews doesn't. So I'm just curious of what would have happened if Austin Matthews didn't have history. Would that have been even more? Or that, that's the part, see, where the, like, it's wondering what, how much worse it actually could have been. But we're not sure because Danny Chill's Department of Player Safety has never really been consistent on this. So, unfortunately, I'm going to be at the game on Thursday against the Carolina Hurricanes, and I won't be able to watch Austin Matthews play. So, thank you, NHL, for that one. Also, I mean, kind of Austin Matthews, maybe that'll be a bit of a wake-up call for you. Now you're sitting for two games. Maybe don't think about retaliating in that way um, on a play like that. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a slippery slope. Like I said this last year when they were playing the Habs and they call prison rules because that's what they do in the playoffs because hockey, big, tough stuff. So um, they don't care about scoring goals or anything like that. They're just like, anything's okay. And they did that to him. And that's, that's the scene where he's laughing and you got Ben Sherrod who's, Got him in a chokehold, of course, doesn't get a penalty. And they just let this stuff go. And, like, this is the only league that doesn't protect superstars. It's the only league that is, like, has a communism feel for it, where they're like, we care about the middle class and everybody being even, everybody being equal. And it's so stupid. Like, imagine if, I don't know, every time LeBron James gets fouled hard, like I saw Embiid got fouled hard today, instant flagrant, instant. Anybody else? Probably not. Instant flagrant. That's what you have to do. Like, like you think players aren't going to like that? Like, players should know these are the guys that move the needle. Like, sorry, Ben Sherratt. Like, no one comes to watch you block shots. People don't want to watch you punch a guy in the face after the whistle. Like, I, I don't know. Like, and the thing is, like, Darlene's like a good player. Um, like, people actually go and watch him and that's just some rough stuff. He's obviously just trying to get under his skin, but like 
there reaches a point where you got to, you know, make some calls here. And the league is just so the officiating standard is so poor. It's crazy. And it will never change because it's the same old guys and there are never any repercussions from them at all. And part of me was also wondering where was the referee? Like it was one hit, another hit. Usually you see the ref get in at some point and there was nothing. No, because they always let that go. And I don't know why Anderson had to break that up, by the way. Just, no, just, just no. he doesn't have to do that. Like he shouldn't have to, but that's what he did because he realized after Dowling took that high stick, Dowling could have retaliated and led to something even more. And for good teammate to you know keep it from getting worse uh, than it was. So yeah, the Leafs will now be without Austin Matthews for the next two games. So we're gonna kind of discuss what happens with the lineup. We don't know what's going to happen in the lineup because we're recording this and the Leafs have not skated since winter, the Heritage Classic, and we just don't know what the lineup could look like. So we're just going to give our thoughts on that. Uh, preview the game against the Dallas Stars and also talk a little bit of uh, trade stuff because it's that season and we're we're days away now from the NHL trade deadline. But first, we're going to hear from our show sponsor, and that's Bet Online. Yes, it's that time of year again as College Basketball's Tournament is finally here. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online, it's where the game starts. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Lease podcast. I'm David Morissuti here with my guest host, host Jake Middleton. And we just finished, uh, obviously, talking about the Austin Matthews situation and the suspension. And now the fallout from it is the Leafs have to play two games without their best player, their MVP. So this is not new territory for the Leafs. I think that's something people need to realize is the Leafs have had times where Austin Matthews hasn't been in the lineup. They're actually have an over 500 record when Matthews isn't playing. So this isn't something where the, you know, the sky is falling. You know, if you're thinking like Edmonton with Connor McDavid or I can't, I'm trying to think of other teams, but you know, maybe Boston, if Pasternak, Bergeron were out, Marshan, I think when he was out, they really struggled. The Leafs have done pretty well. Um, so I think the obvious move has to be that Tavares takes his spot on the top line with Bunting and Marner, right? Like, really, there uh, is. Yeah. I'd assume so, yeah. So. If Tavares gets moved up there, I'm going to assume Alexander is going to be like a second line of like Alexander Kerfoot, maybe do Andre Kasha and William Nylander together. And then third line, I mean, we have that David Kampf, Ilya Mikheyev, and um, Pierre Engvall. And the fourth line, I'm going to assume Spezza, Simmons, and Nick Robertson. Like that would be how I assume the Leafs will roll things out. But the real question here is when you don't have an Austin Matthews in the lineup, how does the fallout, like how does that impact the way that the team kind of strategizes, especially with two games against teams that are actually not like they've had a heavy dose of games against player teams out of the playoff race. Now they're going up against two teams right now that are 
pretty good. Not not terrible. I mean, Dallas is kind of in the race, but they're not totally there yet. And I mean, we know where Carolina is, but we'll start with Dallas. Like if you're Sheldon Keefe, what's the message to your group without Austin Matthews? I mean, it's basically just like every, every everyone's got to step up. I mean, you know, believe it or not, I mean, outside of that first line, I feel like everyone's kind of been coasting a little bit. I mean, the defense has fallen off. I mean, don't even talk about the goaltending and how absolutely horrendous it's been. Um, but then, you know, the D hasn't been good. I mean, is Sandine still out? Or He I was mean, in I, the last game. He wasn't really noticeable at times. He was... Yeah, him and Muzzin were her were with injuries and are coming back. And I don't know. The second line has kind of been meh. I mean, there's been talk about I think Neilan has been terrible this month. Uh Tavares has obviously had his struggles. And I mean, you gotta basically just go to the team like, listen, guys, like we can't just do this where we're getting dragged by one line. Cause if they don't step up, we don't really have much behind you. And you guys gotta you gotta do something. I mean I'm I'm someone who said that they need to add more to their second line or a third line. Um, I mean, we talked about guys like JT Miller, which is probably not going to happen, but someone or someone like Jared McCann, who would have been nice if he was here still, but um, he's not. I think they need more offense. I mean, I think they need another shooter, someone who can, you know, make other teams, you know, spend more time on those other lines. Because right now it's it's pretty much, you know, one line is rolling and the rest um, – the rest aren't doing much, especially this month. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like, I mean, they were trying to see if Nick Robertson could be that spark for that second line. At times, it, it, you know, against Vancouver, it seemed like that was their best game as a, as a line with the second line there, but it hasn't really mounted to anything consistent. I know that Robertson's been in and out. They got Spezza coming back in. Um, so, that that's going to be an interesting factor there. Now the the stars, the Dallas Stars, are coming off two straight losses: one against the Preds, where they lost two one, and then the Rangers seven to four. Miro Heiskanen will not play in this game as he is out with uh, mono. Ben Bishop, I mean, we thank you. Not even going to be in at all. Braden <laughs> I Holpe, thought you were tired, to be honest. Yeah, pretty much done. Uh, Braden Holpe day to day, so it looks like it'll be Jake Ottinger. Ottinger getting in the net for that one. He's been pretty, pretty solid for Dallas. Consider all things considering, um, but like this Dallas team, I, it's always hard to figure out what they're like. Meh. them, but if we're gonna be honest, really the guys you got to look out for here are Jason Robertson, who's been a godsend for that team because they really didn't have much into lines of young prospects up front. You know, they It'd be the- nice if if his brother could be be like that. That'd be nice. So if Nick Robertson does get into the lineup, which we're kind of expecting here, it'd be the first time that they'll play against each other. That'll be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, wow, his brother's six three two ten. Yeah, he is not. What a- the hell? So maybe Nick will grow into that. Me, I don't think so. I mean, I think uh, that's I pretty it. much it at that point. But thirty goals this season for Jason Robertson. Uh, pretty solid campaign for I thought he was you know he was starting to show that last year and he really pushed forward this year uh Joe Pavelski obviously still uh doing well there for Dallas off now signed to an extension for another year at five and a half million dollars I feel like that's pretty good value for a guy who has 60 points uh for the stars this year 
now looking at this at this game here, I mean, I'm expecting Peter Morazic to get the start. I don't see how. I know it's not like there's really you're you're like looking at. It's almost like, do I want the tuna, or do I want the? I'm trying to think of another unsatisfactory meal like lunch. Like the no, tuna. it's like do I do I want to do, do I want to get shot in the head or do I want to get poisoned to death? Like you're dying either way. Yeah, it's probably a good way to put it there. Like, I thought for the first two periods of that outdoor game, he wasn't bad. And then the third period, it went off, as Austin and I kind of discussed yesterday. Um, I I feel like with Matthews out, so you're losing a good part of your offense there. Maybe this is a game where you really need to focus on the defensive structure of your team. Play it almost like, we got game breakers. We have guys that can score, but we're not going to try to cheat to get the offense. Cause I feel like that's going to be a recipe for disaster considering you're going up against a team that has better goaltending than you, you know, not having high skin in will help in that regard. But I also think, you know, this is a team, this is a Dallas team that's trying to figure out a way to get over not having their best defenseman and have struggled. I think they're two and two with them out of the lineup. So I feel like it's, if you're the Leafs, you do not want to get into, I mean, if you're going to get into that scoring belt, you got to be damn well sure you're going to have to be able to outscore the Dallas stars, which shouldn't be overly difficult. I mean, they- I, for once I would love to win a game just like one, nothing. It would just be so nice. It would just make people shut up so hard. I mean, it's so sad that they have to talk about getting a guy like Mark Andre Fleury. It's so sad. Like, it's funny because after that game against the Minnesota Wild, where they won, I think it was two one three one. Mike, also Al's brother, for those who don't know, uh, he he's just like, you know what? I wouldn't mind if the Leafs played like that a little bit more in terms of they're willing to take these two one three ones a little more often than having to try to win 5-4, 6-4, 7-4, or lose 6-4, 5-4, 7-4. Like, I think think right now the fan base is just tired. They're – I understand the frustration, and especially in the fact that your team has not been able to – there has not been a game where they've allowed less than two goals in a really long time. And the constant skies falling narrative is not going away. Literally, you have only a two point advantage right now on the Boston Bruins. I'd honestly, I'd sign up for them to pass us. By the way, so if Boston were to pass the Leafs, so Leafs would be the top wild card team. They, they would get the Carolina Hurricanes. Florida. Well, I thought Florida. Florida has the most points, right? Uh, Carolina actually moved past them. Uh, okay, no, still, still not scared of, still not scared of the Hurricanes. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the Hurricanes, they've they've been on a little, they, they've been on a run, and then they haven't been. They lost to Pittsburgh, especially on. knowing who that goalie is. Nope, bring it on. Yeah, so I, I, it wouldn't be the worst thing, honestly, because I, yeah, I don't particularly want Tampa in round one. No, no, no chance. And because you're not getting home ice advantage of your third. It's either you're getting second and you have home ice. You're not the division technically Florida hasn't taken won the division yet. They have 86 points. So you're seven points back. All games are equal. 
you do have a good slate of games against Florida later. But yeah, like the Leafs have to find a way now. You have three games this week. You have Dallas, Carolina, and ooh, who is the third team? I should, probably should have looked that up. Dallas, Carolina, and Nashville. And then your your following week, you got this is where you're getting into the nitty gritty of the Devils, the Canadians, the Panthers, the Bruins. So, I mean, there's at this point, there's no lull in the schedule. Most of these games are important in one way or the other for the Leafs. So, I feel like Dallas is a good test for them after they've had some mediocre teams that the Leafs have somehow played down to their level. Maybe now they'll play up to the level a little bit more there. So we also had a trade happen in the NHL today, but before we talk about it, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll kind of discuss where the Leafs kind of fit in all the trade talk. And maybe this trade here kind of inspires a little more movement considering uh, who was moved and which teams were involved. So we'll talk about that. But before we do, we're going to give a little shout out to our title sponsor at rock auto. Yes, this episode is also brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now possible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Wind your often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse actually carries. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket, so save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use websites to find solutions to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car, truck, right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us section so they know we sent you there. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. And welcome back to the Locked on Leaves podcast. I was almost going to say our old (laughs) podcast title for a second there. I had to kind of keep myself from that. But uh, so we all know that the Leafs are likely going to make a move the deadline. Some might not actually want the Leafs to because of where the team is at right now, but there's too much invested, I think on this in this season to just not do anything. So we actually had a contender do actually make a pretty significant move. Um, it kind of feels like it was bound to happen after Gabriel Lanniscog was placed on uh, basically said, he's not going to be back until maybe the playoffs. Um, so what did the Colorado Avalanche do? All right, let's get Josh Manson from the uh, Anaheim Ducks. In return, the Ducks are getting Drew Hellison in a second-round pick in the 2023 draft, and Anaheim is going to retain half of Manson's salary. So for those who don't know, Hellison is a 20-year-old Boston College product who has four goals and 21 assists in 32 games for the Eagles. Also was on the U.S. national team at the Beijing Olympics. So he was one of the one of those guys that got the call up. Uh, so pretty decent prospect going Anaheim's way. They've, I think they're in that frame of mind where they need prospects and you know especially with a lot of free agents and especially on the blue line. I feel like they got to kind of revamp that blue line, go a little bit younger, and have quite a few older players. 
Um, two of them that are kind of on the bubble right now, Hampus Limholm and Ricard Raquel are two pending free agents that if you're trading Josh Manson, kind of don't see how the Ducks don't decide, you know what, we did pretty well in the Manson deal. Ricard Raquel and Hampus Limholm are better players. I feel like the Ducks would be better off. I know a stretch run would look good for this young team and trying to get them ready, but I'm of the opinion that try to try to sell off on two guys that are likely not going to be back for your team next year. Cause if they haven't signed by now, I don't see them signing. You could go back and try to get them in the off season, but I think Pat Verbeek would be better off seeing what he got for Manson and decide, you know what, let's uh, let's see what our other big fish can get. And in the Leafs case, would a Hampus Lindholm look much better on the Leafs blue line, Jake? I mean, I kind of feel like some are going to wonder if he's actually the better player than... I think so. I think it would be... The thing that I, I'm... He's going to be a free agent, which I know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm i not doing that. I, I don't care. I mean, people keep saying that they can't keep doing this type of shit where they're are going in, they're getting a they're getting a rental that they know they're never signing because it's I don't think I can't think of one rental outside of Muzzin who had 18 months that they've retained and signed long term. They just don't and it's stupid. And they can't keep doing that especially with their such limited picks and limited assets that they have. They cannot keep doing this. I know people keep saying like go all in, but like why? You're making dumb decisions and they're making these it, or if you're going to go all in, make a move that actually is all in. Don't get Nick Felino, who's garbage anyway, and over the hill, overpay for him. I mean, like some of these moves are just, I don't know, they, they're very stupid in hindsight when you look back on them. And, I mean, I guess the only one that's really worked out has been the, has been the Muzzin trade and the Campbell one. But, I mean, we'll see with the Campbell one, considering he's been so bad recently. Um, but... I mean, they, they can't, they just cannot do that. So I, I would look elsewhere. Um, yeah. I always said, you know, JT Miller, but I highly doubt Vancouver would trade him because he's such a good player, but I don't know any defensemen that have eight, that, you know, 18 months left or one and a half playoff runs in them, but those would be the guys I'd be willing to pay a little extra for. Cause if you're in for a penny in for a pound, I mean, you might as well pay up to get someone who's really good. And it's going to be around at least two years. Yeah, I mean, the name that everyone's talking about right now is Jacob Chikorin. Uh, just a little update. He is going to be missing the next two to four weeks after blo- taking a shot off the foot. So it's not ideal considering another, that'd be another injury that you'd have if you're looking to get a Jacob Chikorin and call Do I it mean, now. I mean, if you're Arizona, that's a tough one because teams are going to be like, well... For acquiring this guy, he's not going to be here for the first two to four. He'll be well. That's by fine. Time. I mean, you're in this case. This would make more sense for the Leafs because it fulfills your requirement, Jacob, getting a guy who has term and a clear yeah. upgrade on your blue line. Like, tell me, you wouldn't want a Jacob Chickering over Erasmus Sandin, Timothy Lilligren, everyone but Riley. Yeah. Like, and I think he'd be a perfect second pairing defenseman. He could play with, I mean, he, he's a lefty, I believe. He's a lefty, but he's actually played on the right side. They've been, been put, perfect. They have been playing him on the right side at times. And I feel like that's to showcase the teams that 
maybe don't want to play him on the on yeah. the right side, but I think the Leafs have seen with the Muzzin experiment that it can work. I'm sorry. The yeah, Muzzin. I mean, he, he's, the thing with him is he's like such a good skater, and they don't really have many elite skaters, especially on D. Probably have one. Um, you know, I'm not going to be that complimentary of Sandine at this point. It uh, doesn't seem like he's an elite skater, but Chikrin is smooth. He's big too. I'd love him. I mean, I think he's a little overrated based on last year. He had some puck luck. I think he had like 16 goals or something like that. Um, and it just for Arizona, like you got to just go to him and be like, listen, it makes no, no sense at all for you to keep this guy. You're going to be shit for what, four or five years. I mean, probably until their lease runs out at their little high school rink. Um, and I mean, it just, it just doesn't make sense to them. And if the Leafs have to pay a guy like Nick Robinson, a first round pick and other stuff, pay it, pay it. Cause they need people that are going to be in this lineup immediately and are going to be able to compete for the next two or three years. I mean, they can't keep waiting around for prospects. They just don't have the time to, I love prospects myself, but it reached a point where like we had such high hopes of Nick Robertson and it's clear that he's not going to come in and be the guy we thought he was going to be. You know, he wasn't going to be a 19 year old who was going to come in and score 20 goals. He wasn't going to be like what bunting is right now. And I mean, the Leafs got lucky bunting was found money. And, you know, if they could get another guy like that to come in and, you know, play at like a high level, they have to do it. I mean, pretty much the season is over for the Leafs. All they have to do is just, you know, walk to the end. They're in the playoffs. There's only eight teams that are going to make the playoffs, and there are no danger of that. It's all about seeding. And, I mean, at this point, I got no interest in playing Tampa Bay. I am completely fine with the Bruins, who have somehow won, like, 24 of 30. I don't get it. Um, I have no problem with them going to Tampa, getting their shit kicked in for a whole round, and then they can piss off. I got no interest in playing Tampa Bay because it looks like Florida's going to get that one seed. And yeah, so, I, I don't, I don't care if you, you beat them out on points. I'm doing the strategic thing and I'm falling down so they can take the sacrificial lamb can be the Bruins instead of us. Cause they're not going to be Tampa serious. There's no way. Not without Florida, Florida, they can. There's no way they're beating Tampa Bay in a series. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, we're just we're just thinking about winning around here. I'm trying, I'm trying I'm trying to lower my expectations. I mean, I think playing against a Florida or Carolina where they just do not have an established goalie, they don't really have any player that like necessarily scares the crap out of you. I mean, I know Huberto is playing really well, and Barkov's that guy that everyone from Florida is like, if he played in Toronto, he'd be a superstar. It's like then tell him to sign here. That's his fault. Um, uh, but like. It's Florida. Like, you can run and gun with Florida. You can outgun the Florida Panthers, for I God's sakes. Yeah. You can beat the Carolina Hurricanes, who have an absolute basket case in goal. That guy has is a mental midget. I've seen him fail every single big game for the Leafs possible. No problem shooting on that guy. He sucks. First game against the Leafs, he lost. Like he got out. I mean, I know, I know he played, he played well. Another one when they lost like three, one or something. I don't care. He's, he is just way too inconsistent. They are not winning with him. I just don't think they're a very good team. I mean, people, they're not a contender. They just don't have the guys. They just have a team full of really good players. They don't have any game breakers. I mean, I I don't, I don't really follow them. I know that 
you know, Aho is good and special cards, Yeah, they don't they don't have an awesome Matthews. They don't have a Mitch Marner. They have, you know, Andrzej Vesikov, good player. You got him, Sebastian Aho, good player. But are they really better than what an awesome Matthews and Mitch Marner will do over a seven game season? They barely beat the Nashville Predators last season, and the Nashville Predators are not a very good team, right? Uh, so I feel like, yeah, Tampa, they're so battle tested. They're going to make a pretty decent move at the deadline, I think, to shore up some part of their roster because they always do. So also, none of those teams are, are physically imposing at all. Like, like, look at their let's go through their their high point scores for Carolina. Aho, no. Svechnikov, no. Teravina, no. Trocek, no. D'Angelo, racist, no. Nina Ryder, no. Nakash, no. Slavin, no. He just, like, he seems like a nice guy. <laughs> Slavin. Brady Shea, no. Like, there's, there's no guy here that's, like, that's intimidating physically or is going to, like, bring uh, bring the game to you, like a Tom Wilson or, or someone on the Bruins or something like that is going to try and get you off your game. They just don't have that. I mean, then you look at Florida. They don't have that either. I mean – that's who I would be signing up for both of those teams. Cause I think they're, it's the easiest way for them to get past them to get to the second round, which is, which is the step that they need. Because I think, you know, that they had this team, people can talk about it enough. They have to get over this mental block of getting past it. Cause it's like, it's like the capitals when they finally beat Pittsburgh, they got past that one thing they could never get past. And then there's no pressure because people aren't talking about it every single year. Like we are now, where the whole regular season's meaningless. We until we get to the playoffs. I mean, that's what everyone's freaking out about. I mean, as they should, and you know, this team deserves absolutely nothing. So, I mean, you got to put yourself in, and I believe they're smart enough to do that. I don't. If they, you know, come with this bullshit like, oh, pride, we would never go out there and intentionally try to lose. Like, no, this this management group has definitely not intentionally tried to lose. But let's just say. They put themselves in a position to lose like they did tanking when they played those last games and they needed to lose against the Devils. The last game of the year, they played absolute bums and they lost and they picked first. So, I mean, I feel like they have the mental uh, awareness to do something where they wouldn't want to play on the road at Tampa in the first round. If you're going to play Tampa, have them play in the second round. Yeah. Uh, here's a, here's a, cause just to bring it even back to the chicken idea where this would be your potential lineup. If you get a, a Jacob chicken, Morgan rally, TJ Brody, that should be the pair. I think they should actually go back to that sooner rather than later. I'm not a fan of the Brody hall pairing. Then you would have a chicken, Elia Labushkin pairing. Cause I feel like those two have played together. The chemistry would be there. Then you have a Muzzin Hall pairing, but as the third pairing and not as your second pairing. And that makes the Leafs, I think, deeper and infinitely better because you're giving Muzzin Hall an easier matchup to go against. And the, and the uh, I'd, I'd personally have Chikrin be the number one, the shutdown guy. I mean, he's pretty big. Like, he's he's a big dude. I mean, I think he's like 6'3", like 215 or something, and he can skate too. And so um, is the I mean, like that's where I'm thinking that would be a good. Yeah, they're both like you have the bear yeah. and you got the skating bear almost. Like <laughs> yeah, well, let's, let's be a little nice. Not dancing bear, but skating bear. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I I feel like it, it may that's that should be. I, I've been on the chicken train as soon as I heard that he was 
his name was out there. And like, his name is not going to be out there. If the, like if the Coyotes go through this and don't trade him and then decide to do it in the office, that would be dumb. I think it would be dumb. Like just because I don't think they get as much. No, because I feel like the draft is always the toughest time to make a trade like that. Teams just don't. Teams are more desperate at the trade deadline. Look at the Leafs. Yeah. They are kind of a desperate team right now. Kind of. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying kind of because, you know, they're not going to they're not going to just like trade a William Nylander for Jacob Chikrin. No, I mean, that's been talked about, but they should never do that. But I mean, I, I got no problem giving prospects and, and picks, which is probably what they'd want. Yeah. I mean, if you're like they they have. Here's here's the picks that they have just for next year's draft. Don't they have like seven seconds or something? Three first round picks. I, I think it's five think seconds. They have two of them are conditional, but they have five second round yeah. picks. Five. They got Montreal's first, right? The, the... No, so they have Montreal's third round, second round pick in 2024. They have three second round picks in 2024. They have Carolina. Oh, sorry. Wait, wait, wait. No, no. Who did they get? They, yeah, they got a first right. round so, pick. I'm going to read it. So the better of Montreal or Carolina's 2021 first round pick. But if either or both are top 10 picks, then Montreal will instead transfer to Arizona the worst of Montreal, Carolina's 2022 first round picks. That kind of is a weird one. So basically, it's. Uh, why did they agree to that? I don't know. So basically, what, what's going to happen here is Montreal is going to give um, Carolina's pick because that is the yeah. worst, that's the worst of the two picks. Yeah. Then they also have they also got the Avalanche pick yep. for Kemper. Yep. And then they I think they got five seconds. Yeah, they have one from the the, the Islanders. This is probably the Gosses bear with the Flyers. San Jose gave them a second, and so did Vancouver. Like, oh, Vancouver was in the Connor Garland. Uh, trade um so yeah i mean if you're arizona you have a lot of picks you don't have many players especially prospects like you look at their blue line it they actually could use a rasmus sandine or a timothy lilligren i feel like you know maybe um i i just feel like that that would just be the most realistic option for the leafs to look at and it's it's only going to i, I think Justin Bourne has said it. I've heard many say, it. I think you're getting more bang out of your buck if you're going on the def- with a, a defenseman. Plus, I think you're totally right, Jake, on the whole idea of the term because I don't think Kyle Dubas really wants to do the rental route. He's kind of mentioned that that he's just not in favor of con, you know, of giving up the first round pick if the deal doesn't even make sense. Like, when what doesn't make sense is dealing another first round pick for a rental and then. You lose out in the first round and don't have your first round pick and you let the guy go that you've grabbed as a rental because he's likely not coming back, as you said. So, uh, And also, I mean, also next year, they'll have like, what, 2.6 million in extra cap space. I mean, the cap's going up, what, a million and the Kessel finally falls off, I believe. I mean, I think that was like 1.6 million. I, I thought it was. And if you're also looking to get, to get uh, 1.2 yeah if you want the coyotes to take back salary you throw in like a travis Dermott, who's signed for next year he's a guy that can at least fill into the lineup for the coyotes find ways to get the salaries to work um and then just go from there 
Um, so we'll see how that all works out. So that will do it for us today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcasting platforms. You receive daily Leafs content. So make sure you go follow myself at the underscore more suit on Twitter and Jake. He's at at Jake Middleton 12. Uh, we'll be back with another episode tomorrow where we will review the game against the stars. I have a guest lined up for that one as well. Um, if it all works out with timing and should be, it should be a fun one, but until then keep it locked right here on locked on Leafs.